Hi there. Welcome to Delta County's second podcast for our land use code update process. We are so excited that you're taking time to listen to this podcast. We understand that it is not always easy for people to come to evening community meetings or daytime meetings. We wanted to do something special and unique and take advantage of all these great opportunities that we have to communicate with you. And so we're giving this podcast a go to see if we can do a better job of sharing information with you. Before we begin the second podcast, let me provide a little background on the Delta County Land Use Regulation Update and why we have put this podcast together for you to listen to. In 2018, we updated our master plan, and in that master plan, we developed a community vision with your help. The vision of the master plan update is to promote prosperity in Delta County for present and future generations through stewardship of the county's resources and thoughtful, predictable land use regulations. The county will foster a culture that upholds the values of community, quality of life, and respectful neighborly communication. With the master plan update complete, we are now in the process of figuring out how to make our land use regulations more efficient and predictable for current and future property owners and businesses, just like our master plan directs us to do. We believe that we should be able to answer these questions for everyone that comes to Delta County. What can I do with my property? What infrastructure is needed to support my vision for my property? What potential impacts to my neighbors will need to be addressed? What is the process start to finish? And where can I do what I want to do? We have a hard time answering questions like this for people today because of the way that our current land use regulations are set up, and we want to fix that. However, at the core of our existing regulations, and essential to any future regulations, include the following. A strong value for private property rights that need to be balanced with the need to address community goals. Regulations that can be applied consistently, fairly, that are predictable and easily understood and a need to balance the right to develop with the rights of neighbors. If you haven't had a chance, please listen to our first podcast episode. In that episode, we discussed why Delta County believes it's time to update our regulations. We talked with Commissioner Don Supis and community members, including Jay Stukesbury and Lucinda Stanley, about how Delta County regulations impact our lives on a day-to-day basis. In today's podcast, we're going to start to focus more on what land use regulations are and how they work. We want you to feel informed and educated about what land use is all about. We will be coming to you later this spring or early summer with the changes and updates that we think are going to help us address our challenges and meet our goals. We want you to be prepared and ready to take a good hard look at our ideas and hope these podcasts will help you do that. With that, Let's get started with our second podcast. All right. So um, this is Delta County's second podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to explore really what development regulations are, land use regulations, and just explore what that toolbox begins to look like. Joining in this conversation is Russ Forrest, who is the city manager for the city of Gunnison, but has extensive experience working in Colorado communities in planning and community development. 
And also joining us is Tamara Allen. She is the planning director, or is it community development director? What's the title of that department, Tamara? Community development director. So community development director for the city conjunction. And also has extensive background in planning and community development, um, most recently coming from Garfield County. Um, so with that, I'm gonna jump into our questions um, to talk about land use. So the first question I have for you is when we say land use, what do we mean? Um, what does land use even, what, what does that term mean to you? Tamara or? Either one of you. Um, so what does land use mean? Um, First, it can, you've got to define what that means in your community. You can choose not to manage land use and be reactive to it. Um, you know, I think in the field we're in, we, we believe that, you know, healthy, strong communities come from proactive land use where you're, you're thoughtful about uh, what your community wants uh, in terms of future uses, future aspirations, uh, and then you can construct a framework of managing land use uh, to achieve those goals and aspirations of your community. So um, first, you got to kind of have that tough discussion within your community about do we want to be reactive to whatever comes at us and understanding the pros and cons of that? Or do we want to be proactive and do we want to drive land use in a way that it supports the vision and the goals of a community? Tamara, let me ask you to build on that. Um, so Russ talked about land use and, and coming up with regulations. Um, do you have kind of in your head a, a, broad, a broad definition of what land use regulations are? Um, and, and either of you, any sort of address sort of the broad transition that our country actually has gone through over the last century, utilizing land use to address community outcomes community needs yeah thanks elise the you know i would start maybe with just one step backwards and say you know land use is really how one uses your lands um, and as russ said it's hopefully derived from a set of values within your community about what's appropriate um, for that um, community land or those areas within the broader uh, community or in this case county. Um, I, I would say that just looking at the last, um, I guess, several years, there's been, I think, a movement generally to really simplify how we look at um, land and how it's used within our communities. And again, as Russ said, really starting um, with a broad vision of where the community um, wants to see, for instance, certain types of uses, whether that be agricultural uses, residential com or commercial uses, and really trying to align that with where, um, one, the community thinks is appropriate, and two, I think as importantly, um, the infrastructure is that can help support those specific types of uses. I think that generally over time, um, communities have really tried to simplify um, things that, um, that can occur or um, can be managed designed um, parameters in order to encourage and incentivize the types of uses that they want to see in specific areas. Great. 
Um, you both talked a little bit about trying to implement, you know, what the community wants. So uh, we use our master plans to develop vision. And so can you talk a little bit about the relationship between a master plan and land use regulations? Yeah, I'll jump in if I can. Um, in my mind, it's a really very direct relationship and a very important one. Um, I think that communities that have a master plan in place that has been recently adopted, ad adopted have a very good place to work from. Um, and really taking those, as both Russ and I have said now, um, that broader vision for the community and some of the goals and really trying to translate that into um, an actual set of categories or standards that can help a community manage um, where specific types of uses, and again, those can be highly variable, but where, where exactly in a community those can grow. But, but starting with the master plan, I think is essential. We certainly are, are starting that process here in, um, in Junction and is you know, important to check in on occasion with your community and make sure that it's still relevant. Um, you know, the plan doesn't always get it right from the beginning, um, but certainly a, a check in every you know, five to 10 years, whatever is appropriate for our communities is essential to make sure you're continuing to grow and the values of that community haven't shifted to the degree that you might need to otherwise reevaluate some of the work management side. Great. Yeah, and just, uh, we're, it's interesting, both City of Gunnison and, and Grand Junction are just embarking on a update of our comprehensive plans, and we happen to be actually using the same uh, consulting team, and where we're starting the conversation is first kind of getting regrounded in a set of values that, that have been established in the Gunnison Valley. Um, one of those interesting values that came out that just just reinforces how important understanding that is and then how it can be translated into land use uh, code is you know the value of ranching and uh, within Gunnison County we have um, we have a an area and it comes straight from our community values uh, but it's a, a right to ranch so if there's any sort of conflict between land uses um, ranching in that agricultural use will uh, trump uh, another use. And that's just simply a reflection of the values of the community. So in this comp plan process, we're kind of re getting regrounded in a set of values because, and we don't think they've fundamentally changed, but we're getting regrounded in that. And part of that is just kind of reminding people, here's what we've said, we've heard from you is important and why we live here and why we think this is a special place. Then we kind of we're transitioning into so where do we want to go and where do we want to be um, and asking very simple questions. What do you think are the important issues we need to address in the future? And then we're also having somewhat of an educational discussion about what does status quo look like? Let's actually map that out because you inevitably hear we, we want to keep things the way they are. But if that's your decision, that takes an enormous amount of work uh, to do that. And so we're, we're having a, a discussion about so what does status quo look like in housing and economy uh, with natural resources um, and water? Um, and then as we do that, what do we like and what do we not like about that? What do we think is reality in terms of growth pressures to drive then a, a discussion about so let's talk now specifically about where we want to be 
in the next 10, 15 years? And then how do we develop goals around those vision statements? And then from there, we'll have specific uh, land use policy recommendations that will, at the very end of this, get translated into land use code. That's really helpful, Russ. So you, we, we've been going through that same process and I like how you phrased about really understanding status quo. Um, that's what we've been doing as well. We've been using our GIS capabilities to really understand development patterns over time, what's changed. Um, what we heard in our master plan update is strong support for protecting agriculture. And so from our mm -hmm. agricultural producers, you know, their concerns about their abilities to continue to be viable operators and, and, and be able to continue to live and, and make their earnings through agriculture. But we also heard support from ag for agriculture from you know, those folks that are moving into those areas that, that appreciate the open spaces, the view sheds, the, the things that agriculture presence helps to um, either protect or part of that lifestyle that it helps to create. But we also have conflict around agriculture because it's you know, agriculture can be noisy, smelly, and a number yeah. of other So we're, we're trying to figure out how to deal with that conflict. And so the process you just, just described, we're obviously at the end of that process, where we're now trying to figure out the tools that we can use to kind of address that, I guess, conundrum, right? We want to protect ag, value ag, but we've got conflicts. And it's not just agriculture. There's, you know, there's other things happening, but that's definitely one of the key things we heard about um, a lot of our residents talked about protecting water quality, air quality, um, healthy lifestyles, those kinds of things. So we're trying to figure out how to pull that all together and you need a set of tools to do that. So I'm wondering if we can, if I can ask you two to help me, let's go from this broad term of land use regulation, which is really an umbrella term that covers a lot of things. And let's talk about just high level, some of the specific tools that are in a land use toolbox um, that can help a county or help a community achieve those goals, those policies, address those issues. Um, what are some of those tools? And then maybe we'll break those down just a little bit. Work. Elise, so some of the, the tools, there, there are lots of different tools, um, but I think some of the more effective tools from my experience Again, both working in a municipal setting as well as a county setting are some of the more what I would call basic tools. Um, I think that having an ability to actually design what I would call it a use table, so a use that or a table that shows um, exactly what you can do, where you can do it, is really critical. Um, and I would think that that is one of the most important things. Um, if you're looking at regulating land use. And what that does is provide a very high degree of predictability for a landowner about what they can do and what their parameters are for specific uses. Um, following up on that, again, another one that I think is really, really basic to the toolbox is what I would call development standards. So for uses that, um, for instance, maybe an allowed use um, that there may be allowances for it but it may also be really important to have some certain expectations or standards that go with that use um, and so establishing what those are um, and again those should be reflective of a community's values um, are really I think critical <coughs> tools 
Um, the last piece that I think is really important also to evaluate for a community is determining um, what an appropriate process is. Um, and some communities have very intensive and broad review um, practices. Um, there's a board or a commission that reviews and recommends something and maybe then it's determined or finalized by county commission or city council, um, but making sure that that process is in place that again aligns with the community. Um, I'll add, if I can, for an example, um, the city of Grand Junction has a really interesting review process and in that it really uses its uh, appointed and elected officials to help set broad policy. And so they look at specific zones or categories of um, areas um, within the community, but doesn't get into the specifics of, say, reviewing a specific subdivision. Um, and the, the concept is, is that if the community as a whole can help set, kind of, again, the journal use versus area, um, that then it's really an incredibly predictable process for someone that wants to uh, follow that use of that zoning um, and they know exactly how and when they can develop without having a particular arbitrary or long process um, that is um, sometimes riddled with a variety of challenges. Um, and again, making sure that the approval process, again, is, is consistent with the, the values of community. So really those three, the use table development standards and then having an approval process um, that's appropriate, I think, are probably the three tools that I see as really critical. I'm sure a couple, but again, those are what I would add. Right. Just how about you and your experience? You, you've worked in a lot of Western Colorado communities over the years. Yeah, Elise, uh, did, did, you, did you want me to kind of build on that a little bit? Please, that'd be great. Yes. Um, yeah, so just to build on Tamara's comments, um, you know, first that predictability component, um, it's important in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, first, you know, we're a, an opportunity zone in Gunnison, and uh, one of the things we hear, we're getting people, you know, from around the country and, and within the state saying, huh, I'd like to invest in Gunnison but I really need to understand where I can invest. If I invest in a specific location, what can happen around it? Um, I don't mind a process, but again, I, it needs to be a predictable, fair, transparent process um, that's, that's also efficient. So, you know, that is an incredible value uh, in having a land use code is having that level of predictability uh, for both investors, potential investors in your community, and also for existing property owners. So they have a level of confidence that if there is a undeveloped parcel beside them, they have a, they have a level of understanding, a level of comfort, what can and cannot happen there. But the issue of predictability, I think, is one that's becoming it's a more complicated discussion now in planning. For example, we're getting more and more uses where um, we might have traditionally said a brewery is a manufacturing or industrial use and that doesn't belong on a main street or it, 
It maybe doesn't belong anywhere near residential, but we're now seeing to create vibrant, exciting main streets, you want a diversity of uses. So integrating residential, integrating some light manufacturing in what's traditionally retail um, is something that's desirable that create the right ingredients for uh, thriving uh, main streets and public places. So creating flexibility within those use tables, within those development standards, is something now that there's a variety of tools which you can uh, integrate into those traditional planning tools and create diversity, but diversity that achieves your community's goals. So again, another um, kind of tool is form-based um, zoning, uh, really kind of goal-based zoning. So you might have a goal of, um, I want to create some vibrancy. I want to create some excitement uh, in a space. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm going to give examples of uses that are appropriate and guidance to a planning commission or guidance to a city council or a county, group of county commissioners uh, on how to evaluate ideas that are consistent with the goals of a specific area. Um, but may not fit in a, a nice, neat box. So um, there is a way to be flexible, create predictability, um, and that's just kind of another layer uh, in the toolbox that we're now facing. A another thing just wanted to interject, um, there was a really good study done uh, by a group called Community Builders out of Glenwood, uh, Springs, and they looked critically at Western communities and what was making people, uh, what was making those communities successful and creating a strong sense of place through proactive planning was one of the most essential ingredients in terms of creating a desirable place to live, a desirable place to work, a desirable place for investment. Um, so again, a lot of good tools, a lot of good studies out there that just kind of reinforce uh, that by having proactive planning, being clear about what you want, what your goals are, where you want flexibility, where you don't want flexibility, um, it, it's been proven that drives investment, um, it drives successful communities and places where people want to live and work. So thank you. That's really helpful. And actually, you, you kind of hit on the next question I was going to ask, which was some, some examples of you know, how you can use regulations to address specific problems or specific outcomes. So I'm not gonna re-ask that question, uh, unless Tamara, you've got an example you wanna hit on. But um, while you're thinking about that, Tamara, let me just throw out there just a, another tangent. And that is, um, you're talking about addressing community goals and really helping create vibrancy. So as a county, you know, our we have six municipalities in our county and um, one of our goals says that we want to encourage future growth to go where there is available infrastructure like water, sewer, road capacity. And for the most part in, across the county, that really means going to the municipalities, not entirely but going to the municipalities. But part of what makes Delta County, I think, attractive to people that are moving here and certainly attractive to those of us that are already here is our rural lifestyle that we have. You know, you. I own 40 acres. I have a little farm. Um, I very unsuccessfully grow hay and sell it. I'm terrible at making money at doing it, but we enjoy <laughs> the lifestyle. Um, 
and, and that's what a lot of people come here for. How, what have you seen in terms of tools that a county uses to achieve that balance between directing growth towards urban areas, towards our, yeah, our yeah. municipalities, um, and, and protecting our, our rural areas, yet also providing opportunity for people to find their place here? Um, what are some of those tools that you've seen used to address sort of that conflict between needing to direct growth sure. to the urban areas, but also recognizing that the people are coming here for the lifestyle we can afford them? Yeah, and before this job, I was the community development director in Gunnison County. So in the middle of that, so the first it starts, you got to have a good effective working relationship between the county and the municipalities. Um, over in Gunnison County, uh, we have, it's, there's a policy statement that we want to focus commercial development uh, into our cities. And you mentioned infrastructure which is another critical reason to do good planning and good land use management is you want to focus development where you have infrastructure or you're going to experience really serious critical issues with water and sewer, um, road infrastructure, and you're going to, at the end of the day, the, the taxpayer is going to pay for that lack of planning um, with unexpected cost infrastructure. So, having those policy discussions and we're, we're kind of redoing that again right now with our comprehensive plan uh, and sitting down with the county and in between planning commissions county and city planning commissions of saying where do we want growth around our community and where do we not want growth how do we support that with infrastructure and then that has to get incorporated at the end of the day and we're going to do it uh, either through a three-mile plan or a tool the county has with which they have a tool uh, where they can create uh, very specific uh, zoning and land use um, regulations for specific ge geographic areas um, and i think that's the tool we most likely will use at the end of the day is mutually agree on here are the land uses we want to see and not see um, in, and in our valley, our residents really do value that uh, ranching environment and they want to preserve it because of its aesthetic. Uh, it's one of the reasons why they moved here. And the other interesting reason is because of water. And that took a little education that our ranching uh, agricultural community is a key component in terms of uh, maintaining our water rights and, and actually maintaining our water. Uh, within our, our watershed up here. Um, and it was also valuable for our ranching community to hear this appreciation from the community in our, in our municipal boundaries, to, just to hear that they were valued, um, had a lot of just, you know, uh, real, real value to them in terms of hearing that, um, you know, that the rest of the community and even people in, in the urban areas appreciate what they do for a variety of reasons. So just going back, you know, that relationship between the county and the municipalities is critical and being able to talk openly about land use patterns, you know, around municipal areas and how do you manage the infrastructure um, to support uh, or not support um, development that uh, may be occurring outside the municipal boundaries is critical. Wonderful. Tamara, have you thought of, do you have an example or do you want to add 
anything to? Yeah, I've got a couple pieces and really to maybe pick off a little bit where Russ just left off is talking about this really um, important dynamic between a municipality and a county. Um, one of the, the experiences that I had, especially at Garfield County, was that specific relationship and how important it was. And one of the unique things that Garfield County did, and it's not, um, it, it's been done other places, but certainly I think unique for that, that county and was a first there was really in the master planning process for the county as a whole, really recognizing the importance of the each jurisdiction and also the importance of their plans. And um, what the county did uh, in Garfield County was really say that in those areas where each municipality is likely to grow and has the ability to extend specific services, again, water, sewer, that kind of infrastructure, we're gonna let those jurisdictions plan specifically for those areas. And so there was an agreement um, it wasn't a pen one, it was really just one we put on a map and said in these specific areas, um, city um, of Rifle or Parachute or um, Carbondale, Glenwood, you, you have the ability to um, help us um, guide and um, look at the appropriate type of use in these specific areas. So it was really um, important and uh, I know that jurisdictions we worked with were very pleased with that outcome and, and ultimately it was a really I think a big win also for the county that um, those people in specific areas outside of jurisdictions had very clear direction it wasn't a back and forth between the county and the jurisdiction about what they could or could not do because of the jurisdiction was county yet they were in the um, planning area for each city and was really a, a helpful tool in that scenario um, I can't underscore enough how infrastructure is important to consider in the planning process. And if I can draw a little bit of, again, experience in Garfield County, I think what's really important um, is really being able to distill um, what the values are and then translate that into actual uh, rule or a way to manage um, and help uh, uh, come to fruition, either fruition that goal, um, it sounds like Garfield County was similar to um, perhaps Delta County in some of the values and also the Gunnison County about trying to protect branching and ag lands. And um, for areas of the valley, if you're familiar with the geography there, there's the Roaring Fork Valley and then there's the Colorado River Valley. And the values of those two areas were, were very different and we were able to construct different um, mechanisms for um, preserving ag and ranch land differently in both of those river valleys because of the, the values brought to them. Um, but ultimately, um, the, the form it took was a different kind of lot size for areas in the Roaring Fork versus the river valley and providing some additional opportunities for subdivisions of smaller natures in some of the Colorado River Valley area. And again, trying to be reflective again of, Kind of the values we've heard as a comprehensive planning process and those tools of subdivision i think are really important to evaluate um, when you talk about ag and uh ranch land or other types of preservation that seems to be um through the work we did there one of the key things with you know how does residential uh development start to encroach on ag and 
um, is there a threshold where it really starts to hinder the ability for some of the large, large ag and ranch and um, areas to actually be productive in that setting? So uh, thanks, Elise. That's all I had to add on that. Oh, great. Thank you. I mean, I think you guys have really hit some key issues that you, you've got to kind of come at it from both understanding the how uses work, what can I do with my property, but then also understanding um, how decisions around the creation of new residential development, um, which is through subdivision, you have to look at both pictures maybe to achieve those outcomes. It's not just one tool, it's, it's a mix of several things. That's really key and I appreciate you guys making those points. Um, so I've got really, I'm going to combine my last couple questions into one because we've covered so much ground already. Um, if you had an opportunity to be in a community where it was a fresh start, there, there was nothing in place, you, you got to start from scratch, um, what would be the most important tools that you would include in your land use toolbox? And then secondarily to that, just any advice or suggestions that you have to offer to Delta County as we start this process of updating our land use regulations to work towards the goal and goals and visions that we've identified in our master plan. Hmm. So if you were king for the day and, and you had a blank slate, where would you start? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, and we've probably hit uh, on a lot of what we, I think we would want to do in, in this discussion um, and probably going back to where we started it is um, really getting clear in, in, in that community. Um, first, you know, what's most important? What, do you, what, what are your values? Why, what do you love this place that you've, you've come to or that you're coming to? Um, and getting really clear about that and then taking that same discussion and then projecting it forward of, so if these are our values, to stay in integrity with them, um, what do we need to do? And what sort of desired future do we want? Um, and I, again, I've just experienced a, a way to do that uh, is what does status quo look like? What do we like and not like about that? And how do we want to change it purposefully? Um, and then being really clear, you know, we can't do everything for everyone, um, but what are the most important goals we want to achieve? And land use planning and zoning are simply tools to achieve those goals. And you can engage people and hire people to create those tools, but you got to be really clear and purposeful about the creation of those goals. Um, so, you know, a, a comprehensive plan and it can, can have a lot of different names, master plans, strategic plans. Um, but having that comp plan that has that bundle of activities in terms of being clear in values, vision, key goals, and then what are the policy uh, ideas to achieve those goals, um, you know, is, is a wonderful structure to have. And then uh, being smart about your regulations and how you craft them so that they strike that balance of predictability but also flexibility in terms of anticipating ideas that may not fit into that box that sometimes zoning can put you in um, but achieves the goals you want in your community um, 
but finding that balance uh, in zoning of creating predictability, but also flexibility. And then the final piece is making sure you've got a process that's fair, transparent, um, and, and also efficient. Uh, and that the simple things say simple, but the complicated things take the, the time and attention they deserve. Wonderful. Tamara, how about you? Well, um, I, Russ, you know, took a fair bit of my uh, steam there, but I'll, I'll add a few thoughts that I had um, that maybe, frankly, are just using a little bit different word choice, but I think that what Russ said is, is incredibly important. Um, although when you talk specifically about where, where would you start, I think that you guys have started. I think you've done, um, it sounds like, the work that needs to be done in, in carving out and creating your master plan, um, and that's where I think every community needs to start in order to understand broadly what are you trying to accomplish and what's of most important to you as a community. Um, and then it's really an exercise of, of distilling and um, translating that into parameters. Um, it's a little bit different. On the um, and I've been through a lot of code revision writing um, in my experience, and everyone is, is different. Um, and every, at the end of the day, I think every community comes up with something that's um, important to them um, and works for them, but may not work in the next community across the street for whatever reason. Um, to, to stress maybe a few things that Russ said, but maybe put it a little bit differently, is I think that um, being deliberate is incredibly important, again, about how do you translate those things that are most important and very deliberate about what needs to be addressed. Um, you can always add or subtract later. Um, making sure that, you know, as you create a framework for how your community uh, talks or discusses or even goes so far as regulates land use, um, that you don't create a system that has uh, a plethora of variables or exceptions or, um, yeah, I'll just stop there, variables or exceptions, I think that just adds to a level of complexity. Um, and there may be opportunities and there may be points where that is appropriate, but to, to agree, you can keep it simple. Um, and then to Russ's point, it adds to high level of predictability um, that is really enticing for people to come and do business in your community and certainly for people that are already in your community to know um, how they can grow business or even um, develop in, in certain areas with, without a lot of cost or a lot of um, process that is unpredictable um, and, and there's more risk in the, that route and the more you can limit or eliminate risk, um, I think the healthier economy you'll have and certainly I think the more predictable landscape for future development. And again, that's both for existing residents as well as new people that may be looking to come to your community. Thank you so much to both of you. Um, this has been great. Um, I, I adore both of you. I've loved working with you both over the years and really appreciate you offering your sage advice uh, to us and just your perspective. And that's what we're after. We're hoping to achieve just that, creating predictable, efficient, uh, common sense solutions to some of the challenges that we have. And I think it's really helpful for us to hear 
um, from other communities to understand that, well, first of all, we're not the only ones out there that have challenges that are constantly trying to figure out a better way of dealing with them, a better way of managing them, uh, but also just to hear uh, perspective on, on what works and what doesn't work. So really, really appreciate that you guys took some time to do this with me. Great, Elise. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I'll talk to you both soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Good luck, Delta County. Bye-bye. <laughs>Before we let you go, let me give you a preview of our next podcast. In our next podcast, we will be digging into subdivision and how it works. We will be meeting with Kelly Yeager, the county's planner, John Renfro, a local realtor, Betsy Seward, the city of Delta engineer, and Randy Wilmore, a surveyor. These folks will help us understand how subdivision works and some of the challenges that anybody who wants to develop their property might face and some of the opportunities as well. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you and have a wonderful day.